everyone, and welcome back to the Music Business Lounge, your source for the insight you need from the music industry's best and brightest. Jeff Alexander here with Chris Kinney, as always. We are really excited to have with us today a Grammy award-winning record producer and songwriter who has worked with everyone from Macy Gray and Rick Rubin to the Black Eyed Peas. He was signed to Sony Epic with his own original group. He also teaches. He teaches at Musicians Institute, uh, UCLA, and the Grammy Museum itself. Uh, So let's welcome Mr. Daryl Swan to the podcast. How are you doing, man? Blip, blip, blip. I'm great. How you guys doing? Everything's great. Great Doing awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Absolutely, dude. We are so, uh, so happy to have you. I actually just finished reading Daryl's book. I, I, know, I know that you have a, a couple of things published, right, Daryl? But I just finished uh, The Essential Guide to Song Writing, Producing, right. and Recording, uh, which I would yes. definitely uh, recommend. Uh, what, a, uh, what, what a book. Definitely check it out. But man, Daryl has done so much cool stuff in this industry, um, and we'd love to, you know, to, to talk about it. So can we begin, just Daryl, with you sort of sharing, like, your background, how you got into the music business, uh, and how you got to where you are today? Absolutely. So, yeah, back when I was a boy, no. <laughs> I, uh, back in, uh, I, it was so funny, it all started, uh, it was, uh, I was that kid that used to, like, uh, you know, take apart my guitar uh, and just totally destroy my guitar. My parents would buy me when I was like nine or take a, take apart uh, can openers and things like that. I was just fascinated about how things worked. And so my brother took an uh, audio recording course when I was a kid and I would steal his book at night and I would read it at like four in the morning under the covers and just learn about microphones and signal flow and things like that. It was really fascinating to me. So I was a musician, but I was also fascinated with, with just the recording process and how mics work and how electrons move through wires and, and magnetic, you know, properties and things like that. Um, so I was the guy in my garage band when we were kids that ran the PA. I was the only guy in the band that knew how to run the PA. So, so while the other guys were chasing girls after the gig, I was the guy <laughs> packing the PA up. And, you know, I'd be playing guitar solo on, you know, during the show and then feedback, one arm would go over to the mixing board and pull the feedback down and continue my solo. I was that, I was oh, that guy. Man. Yes, I was totally that guy. So always fascinated by the technology. Uh, cut to the future. We moved to uh, my band uh, from Cleveland, Ohio, moved to uh, L.A. in the uh, mid-'80s. And we came out here. We were a total hair band. We opened up for Poison and Warrant at the Troubadour. Uh, oh, that's so sweet. Time. It was crazy. I got pictures. It was pretty crazy. Amazing. Um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. And so... Uh, uh, we did the whole circuit, the whole LA circuit and everything. And, uh, um, experienced LA went to Europe, make a long story short after that, about two years into LA, we, uh, I ran into a buddy of mine who went to my, I went to school with back in Cleveland and he was like, Hey, I'm working at this recording studio. I was like, Oh man, I would love to work there. So I came down there. He hired me. So I had, you know, a bit of understanding about signal phone, things like that. He's like, would you like to work here? I was like, of course. So I ended up living at that studio, like literally living at that studio for uh, about two years, about two years. So now I'm in a band, but at the same time, I'm working in a recording studio and I'm doing like 20 hour sessions a day. Um, totally so I ended immersed. Up having, it was, it was fully immersed. I was fully immersed. I literally would sleep under the mixing board uh, between sessions because it was the only place where there wasn't cocaine and Hennessy spilled on the carpet. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it was warm under there. So, uh, 
um, I really uh, got to cut my teeth and I would uh, uh, just really immerse myself in that in that environment. When there weren't sessions going on, I would uh, I would bring uh, bands and uh, solo artists in and say, come on, come on, from like three in the morning to like eight in the morning. Like, come on, come on, let's record some stuff. And literally, I would have just different artists lined up. Whenever there was a gap in time, I would use them as guinea pigs and just, you know, uh, produce them. And I would I was playing with drum machines when drum machines were first starting to come out. Um, so uh, uh, engineering, producing drum machines. Uh, I would watch what the engineers were doing during the day and then repeat that in the evening when I had my own guinea pig bands and things like that. <laughs> So that was a great experience. That was re- what really, really uh, uh, brought me up to speed. One of my, I'll just say this really fast, really proud of this. <laughs> my first session as a uh, second engineer was uh, Babyface, LA and Babyface produced a song called Rock Steady for the Whispers. Rock, dun, 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 steady. Yep. Dun, dun, yeah, dun. dude. <laughs> that was my first session. So yeah, I see these guys, you know, coming in a rental car and bringing their drum machines in and there was an engineer named John Gass, John Gass, G-A-S-S. He was a super, 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 super mixer back in those days. So I really just, just was really enamored by his abilities and just watched the plug-in and the, uh, the outboard that he would use. So blah, 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 blah. That whole first two years working at that studio was really what just, just really just created my roots for, for that. Cut to the future. Uh, I got a uh, record deal with... Uh, John Singleton, film director, in 1994. Uh, I had a group called Cultural Revolution. We were uh, signed to John Singleton. John Singleton had just done Boys in the Hood, uh, was nominated for an Oscar. And so his next film was called Poetic Justice with Janet Jackson and Tupac Shakur. And so I had this group, and I, it's a long story not to bore you guys, but I got introduced by to, to uh, John Singleton through this guy named Paul Stewart, who managed... Uh, Coolio and Montel Jordan and the far side and all the and big boy, the radio DJ now. And so blah, blah, blah. I got signed to John Singleton. I had a group kind of like the Black Eyed Peas. I was the central producer character and I had a guy and two girls and I uh, shot a video. And that was my first 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 visit to the rodeo as an artist producer. Uh, that was 1994, 1996. Lost that deal. During that time, I had met Macy Gray. Um so after I lost my deal, she had a record deal at the same time, too. She lost her deal. Right around 1997, she calls me up. She's like, hey, let's write some songs. So around 1998, 1999, she and I started writing some songs. And we wrote the song with a couple other people called uh, uh, I Try. We did it in a garage. And uh, we just went in and just, like, you know, drum machines with some live instruments. And uh, it was kind of a hybrid production kind of thing. We went in and, like... 8 p.m. and came out at 8 a.m. the next morning, and we had this song. And she took it to her publisher, and the publisher was like, "Oh my God, it's a new sound! Uh, drum machines with with live instruments, it's new voice. It's like Al Green so and so. It was kind of like a, it was a you know it was it was a cool combination. It was the right right thing at the right time. That single got put in uh, uh, two films: a Jennifer Aniston film called Picture Perfect, and another film, Love Jones. And so from there. Her publisher was like, go, go, you guys keep writing, keep working, keep working. Yeah. So I stole studio time up at Paramount Recording. Whenever <laughs> I did the same thing whenever I wasn't doing stu- sessions. Sessions would end at 2 in the morning, and from 2 a.m. till like 8 a.m., I would call her and say, come on, let's go. She would come up. She'd have a melody. I'd have my drum machine, my guitar. Six months later, four to six months later, we had 12 songs. 
we had 12 songs and that became the first record. That wow. That is so, wild. That's crazy. incredible. Yeah. I a lot of details, but it was really something. And then the powers that be came in after this, we had created this body of work. Uh, it was fully produced, fully done, background, layers, everything, all on Gorilla Studios time. And uh, a powers that be that came in and, you know, you know, Interscope and Polly Anthony from Sony, she got a deal. Then Sony wanted to bring in a quote-unquote veteran producer to oversee the final steps of production to make sure it was fine. And some things happened from there and politics ensued. But there you go. No, that I, was a, The rest is kind of history. I've got to say, you you know you've been successful when Daryl can, uh, can say blah, blah, blah. And those parts that he's leaving out are like 1,000% of what everyone would ever want to accomplish. Like you... <laughs> You know that I I I feel that we're in good 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 hands, you know. Um, but, yeah. Cutting his teeth with Macy Gray, blah blah blah. Tupac, Janet Jackson, blah blah. No, it but was, it's, it's a trip. Yeah, it's 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 kind of surreal. It's kind of surreal. It's uh, but you know what's the funny thing? It's like taking a it's like taking a trip, you know. And you think you don't think you're making any progress, but when you look at the map, you're like, oh wow, we went from here to here. So when I do reflect, sometimes I'm like, you know, I'm really blessed to have. Uh, had these experiences. They have definitely come at a cost, of course. You know, everything in life is a trade-off. Uh, sure. I'm definitely blessed to have had these experiences and worked with uh, some amazing people. Uh, you know, worked with a lot of people at the top of the food chain. And, you know, that's a real blessing to be kind of like behind the curtain and uh, just see how things really work. So it's really given yeah. me a lot of insight into just the business and just life in general. So still learning. No, just incredible stuff. And we are, again, so thankful for you, uh, you know, to be here and share some of that insight with us and our listeners, man. Thank you. My pleasure. So, you know, our our topic today on the show um, is is demos, sort of the idea of from idea to demo and then what you can do with a demo. Now, I know in in your book, you actually talk about how they're really uh, you, you can't think of a demo in the traditional sense anymore because, you know, everyone has access to this high quality gear. Um, yes. So there's there's sort of a new standard. But, I you know, s sort of just to just to kick us off on this front. Yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit about in uh, your mind, you know, what is a demo and why would you want something like like that? Sure. OK, cool. So, yes, as I uh, as I say and many other people say, and it's very true. Uh, there are no quote-unquote demos anymore because uh, back in the day, a demo was acceptable because there was a there was a large gap between uh, individuals that had access to very specialized high-end gear and had very uh, uh, specialized skills and knew how to work that gear, meaning microphone preamps, Class A microphone preamps, and 24-track <clears throat> tape recorders that run at 30 ips per second and high-end mics and blah, blah, blah. You really needed... You needed uh, serious funding to get into a room and really work. I mean, the a, a reel of 24-inch, 24-track, two-inch tape was $250, and you get 18 minutes of audio. So that's you could put three songs on one reel, 300 bucks. So saying all that to say, there was a big yeah. gap between being able to record something at full production value and a guy at his house with a four-track Tascam cassette, multi-track kind of thing, you know. So Absolutely. there was a big gap. So people understood, hey, you don't have the money. This is the best you could do on this four track. So we're like, cool, this is a cool demo. We'll give you some money. You can make it sound great. But now mm. that that gap has totally blurred. 
because everyone, their mother has a uh, garage band, Pro Tools, you know, Logic, Ableton, Nuendo. Um, and so therefore, but the, the big difference is this, is that, yes, you can make, everyone can make shiny stuff, but is it a shiny turd? You know, so <laughs> there's still absolutely <clears throat> the content, the content, you know, and that's where production comes in. That's where, uh, uh, you know, being able to write a great hook or to find that perfect synth, synth sound that totally evokes the entire mood of the song or whatever. So I, I always say, man, uh, it's the cook, not the kitchen. You know, the kitchen helps. You know, you give my grandma some eggs, some flour, and some sugar, man. She'll make you pound cakes. She'll make you muffins. She'll make you anything and make you want to slap somebody. You know, so it's like, we'll put her in a great pit kitchen. Man, she'll hook you up anything. So, uh, <clears throat> blah, blah, blah. So most people are putting out really shiny stuff, but obviously the content is not great. So after that long tirade I just went through, <laughs> I would say this. I would say this. Uh, from idea to demo, I would say, first of all, if you do have a demo, I would consider this a demo. If you have to play something for somebody and make a bunch of disclaimers, like, mm. okay, before you listen to this, okay, so we don't have the right uh, backgrounds in yet, and we haven't finished the lead, and uh, I got to – so if you, have to make, if you have to make more than one disclaimer, then it's a demo. It's a demo. You should basically be able to, basically, if you're on the grid and you're showing it to someone that counts, someone that's not in your inner circle, one of your writing partners or your manager or someone that understands where you are, anybody that's not in your inner circle, if you have to make more than one disclaimer, then that's a, then you shouldn't be playing it for them, period. Because they're, whoever you play it for, even though they say, oh, I understand, I understand, I can hear past production value. No, they can't. Trust me, <laughs> do not play anything for anybody that's not in your inner circle that you can just hand it to them or you can just send them the link and just be like, just cross your arms and B-boy style. Like what? Go ahead and play it. If you have to say, make a bunch of excuses before they listen, you shouldn't be. They shouldn't. That is a demo. That, so demos are purely for the inner circle, your inner circle. That's incredible advice right there. And just to just to dig a little bit deeper into that, so... Again, uh, you know, not to keep bringing up your book, but it's an awesome book. Like you sort of Please. take us through, yeah, this whole this whole process. So that that idea of of when something's ready, so you don't have to have to give those excuses. Like let's let's talk about s songwriting. So just if if you could give some some insight, if you're you're a songwriter, when do you know that? Uh, a song is ready to take the next step and to start entering sort of that recording process. And I know there's no hard and fast rule here, sure. but like just some of your insight onto like when in the songwriting process, uh, in your opinion, do you sort of know, Hey, I might be ready to, to take, take another step with, with this. That's a, that's a great question. Great question. So now this <clears throat> kind of breaks into two categories. So I'll just say this quickly. So, there is a uh, since obviously since uh, drum machines and now since DAWs have evolved, um, you can think of you can think of production or or producing or writing music in kind of two categories. Um, I will say this when I when I teach production classes, I tell them producing a band is very different than producing like a solo artist or a project that's evolved in the box, evolved that's that's beat driven. So sure. you have kind of these two categories. A band is a living, breathing entity that 
before the producer shows up, the band already has songs. So there's there's songs that the band can play, as opposed to a uh, a more beat driven, which is mostly pop music now. You know, mm-hmm. a more beat driven project that where the where the where the songwriting evolves in the DAW. So that being said, uh, your question probably taps more into let's talk about the band side. So. So when uh, some humans get together and write a song, one guy's on guitar, girls, you know, got some lyrics and melody, whatever. So traditional songwriting is more of like that. Some people getting together at one person and they, they hammer out some chords on a piano or a guitar or something like that and some lyrics and melodies. So they can sit there and they can play acoustically a song, right? Yep. As opposed to a solo artist uh, who basically needs a producer to basically go in Ableton or Pro Tools and start pulling some beats together, start pulling some tracks together. Um, so there is no song until we start pulling that together. So in the second case of a more uh, production-driven artist where the, where the song starts in the computer already, there's, there's, there's a, there's, there really, the song evolves organically um, as opposed to, um, I'm trying to like keep my thoughts clear here because I, it's in my brain. It's hard to sometimes yeah. articulate it. No, it, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Let's back up. People sitting in a room writing a song. We know we have a song that's ready to go when, uh, you know, uh, I would say this, I would say this, you know, there's, there's an intuitive, there's an intuitive sense that we all have when we know when something is kind of there, you know. I don't know if you guys are songwriters, uh, but uh, yeah. pretty much anybody that's a songwriter. You guys songwriters? Yes. yes. Yep. Okay, cool. So I think it's it's pretty uh, pretty hardwired into any of us that are creative human beings that write songs. We know when something has evolved, when our verse is quite. We know, okay, we got got these great chords and this and that. We got the structure, but uh, there's some still still some. There's a few cliches in the verse. We got some throwaway, some placeholder. Uh, uh, lyrics in this verse. The hook is tight, but the verses need some work. Or these verses are super tight. Uh, the hook's a little bit thin. You know, we got the melody, but don't have the lyrics. We pretty much know when we we have the core essence of the song. And so, sure. in that point, that is definitely obviously when the person has written the song. Where we know, okay, this song is ready. Verse, chorus, lyrics, melody, chords. It's done. Yeah, we don't have the production value, but we can we can rock a campfire with this song. Yeah. It's ready to go. It's ready to go. So so it's pretty much it's more clear cut with that traditional songwriting. But when creating a project in the box, the line definitely blurs. You know, I mm. you know I I do a lot of you know teaching and around a lot of people that are you know evolving their skills, and so I definitely hear tons and tons and tons of uh, you know my students. You know, they're they're you know some are really advanced, some are just cutting their teeth on this and that, and it's really it's really odd to 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 because the song as you as they're writing the song as you're writing the song, meaning figuring out this cool synth part, this cool beat, whatever, it's 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 really unique how it it is like there's there's like a a blurred line between like because the production evolves as the songwriting evolves. Uh, where with traditional songwriting, the song is written first, then you produce the song. So the production and the songwriting evolve at the same time. So usually with in-the-box stuff, it kind of like 
as the song evolves, the production evolves too. Does that make sense? I know I'm kind of meandering, but uh, does that make no, sense? No, absolutely. Absolutely okay. makes sense. So yeah. I don't know if that answered your original question, Jeff. Um, <laughs> but now that I've said that, ask me the question again. <laughs> Let me, uh, I can pinpoint it now. Well, Noah, Noah, it definitely did answer the question. And the question was about sort of when do you know when your song is ready? And I think, um, you know, talking about more of, of those beat driven sort of more modern tracks, I think that sort of leads us into uh, my next question that I want to ask you was just sort of diving more into that recording production process. So if if you are someone that falls more in line with, you know, that sort of beat driven in the box type yep. type stuff. Um, can you share some insight on how, how can we start going about that? Like, it, can you, can you do it yourself? Who do you want to surround yourself with? Uh, you know, and I know this, these are deep, uh, deep qu questions with many, you know, you could, I'm sure teach a course and I'm sure you have taught a course on the answer to this, <laughs> this, this question, but then like, you know, the whole recording process, uh, the, the, the mixing, all of this stuff sort of, if you are that kind of artist, when you think you can take that next step and start the production, the recording process, um, just sort of your thoughts on, uh, you know, the big takeaways from, uh, from that part of things. Okay. So basically what you, so we're talking more the, uh, uh, in the box artists, uh, kind of like the entire process of how it evolves. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that. So let's talk about, uh, uh, yeah, when I teach production courses, I, uh, as I said, I break it in two categories. Producing a band is different than producing a, uh, a, uh, a producer-driven artist, uh, where the producer is more of God in the, you know, with like a, a Kanye West or a, or a Max Martin. You know, they pretty mm -hmm. much invent the thing, and then the artist just <laughs> sings on top, where a band is a living, breathing entity, and the, and the producer comes in as kind of like a fifth member. He's like the fifth Beatle. So in terms sure. of the in-the-box producer thing, usually what I do is this. I, uh, as most of you know, uh, your listeners know who are more producer, in-the-box, uh, beat-driven producers, um, we all know that it usually either, well, not always, but usually either starts with a beat, right? A cool, like, I'd say more like in the hip-hop world, it starts with a kick and a snare, like a really odd sounding kick and then like a, or an, and an odd sounding snare and then that pattern and then a synth sound, a synth sound, like one core sample that is the DNA of the song, uh, one synth sound or one sample, one voice sound and the beat, those three elements, kick, snare, <laughs> kick, snare and that core sound, that is the song, that's it. I mean, it could be as simple, it could literally just be a boo, ga, boo, ga, but if the kick is interesting sounding, not, uh, and we have to understand that a lot of people don't understand that there's a huge difference between what I call utility drum sounds and, or organic drum sounds and, and production driven drum sounds, hip hop world, production driven drum sounds like, and as opposed to just do, you know, people are like, I, I just got big fat drums, you know, this library of all these organic live <laughs> drum, you know, they're high resolution. I'm like, well, that's cool if you're like trying to like sound like Tool, which I freaking love. Tool, you know what I mean? So if you're yeah. trying to like, if you're trying to produce Tool type music in the box, first of all, good luck. <laughs> tool is ridiculously amazing, and that's going to be a pretty hard, tall order. Um, but if you're trying to like build some like interesting production-driven stuff, 
those organic sounds aren't going to do it. They're going to, they're just going to sound plain, you know. So uh, that being said, you need to find a, cat, a catalog of sounds, kicks and snares that are really odd sounding, really electro or 808-ish or something, not organic. So core, synth sound, kick, and a snare. So blah, 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 I say to this. Or it starts with a hook, you know, it starts with a hook. So sure. what I do is, is if I get an artist that, that uh, it happens a lot, you know, artists will come, let's say it's a she, let's say it's a, it's a young lady, and let's say she's got a great look, she's got a great voice, she's got a whole shtick, you know, about her personality. She's an artist, you know, and there's, side note, there is a big difference between a singer-songwriter artist and a performing artist. A singer-songwriter artist would be like a John Mayer or Alanis Morissette. They write lyrics, melodies, and chords themselves, but they need a producer to wrap the skin around it, as opposed to a performing artist like a Britney Spears or a uh, uh, Bruno Mars or someone like that, who basically is really just a personality, not taking anything away from them. It's just well, Frank Sinatra, Celine Dion, they're all performing sure. artists. Mm -hmm. They don't really write their own songs. Yeah. They perform other people's producers, songwriters and producers basically invent their whole musical repertoire. So if I get a, let's say, a performing artist, she's a good-looking lady, uh, she's got a cool vibe, she can sing her ass off, um, she's got a whole shtick, she's a personality, right, a figure. So basically, yeah. she needs me as a producer to help her create her sound. Sure. So where I, where I, where will I start now that I've laid all this groundwork out? Where do I start? Well, a lot of times I'll start with, I'll give her, first of all, I want to, a lot of times, uh, in, I always want to involve the artist in the production process. Cause a lot of times what I see is, you know, uh, you know, Miss Singer will show up and the producer will be like, okay, here's the track. You're going to sing this, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the day, she gets a really dope sounding thing. But I see it all the time. The artist is like, well, yeah, here's my song, but it's not really me. And, you know, that's because the producer didn't take a second and say, hey, what are we going for here? Mm. You know, uh, like so what I always paste kind of thing. It, what's that? It's like a cut and paste kind of scenario, or just yeah, 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 absolutely. You see it all the time. You know, she comes, the guy slaps a beat on her, puts some lyrics on her, she sings it, and during the process, she's like, yeah, yeah, this is dope. But at the end of the day, she's like, wait, what did I just do? I just woke up from this whole <laughs> tirade of activity, and it's not really my style, you know. Yeah. So what I always do is this to, to move this forward. And Jeff, I tend to go on and on and tangent off so pull me back if i hey go the, off these okay. tangents are wonderful man this is incredible <laughs> good stuff, stuff. Oh, seriously but please please continue yeah okay cool well you have you have the uh, voucher to pull me back all right <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate I will, that uh, <laughs> i always tell my class i'm always like man you can just like hold up your hand if i'm like going off and bring me back on track and, you know i get those every now and then okay i can't so, imagine it's too often though i can't it's, imagine it's too every often. now and then <laughs> Especially when I like start kickworming in my UCLA class across the desks, they're like, "Okay, going a little far there." So, what I'll do is, uh, if I get an artist, I'll say, "Okay, cool. So, what's your vibe?" I always ask, "Okay, what's your style? What is your stick? What would you wear in concert tomorrow if you were playing at the Staples Center?" Like, so I want to see what her visual is. Okay, and I'm like, "Okay, like, what are your musical influences? Who do you? What kind of drums do you like? Do you like like old school '80s roller skate stuff? Do you like?" Like Calvin Harris kind of drums? Do you like, what kind of drums do you like? Okay, what kind of musical layers do you like? Do you like EMI kind of synth stuff? Do you like more uh, 
more guitar-driven samples? Do you like Katy Perry kind of stuff? What do you like? Um, what kind of backgrounds do you like? So I kind of picked their brain in terms of drums, music sounds, vocal stylings, what's your visual? And once I kind of have an idea of uh, where their head is at, where they're trying to go, then I'll say, okay, cool, I get an idea now. I'll, a lot of times I'll give her uh, uh, a list of beats, maybe like 20, 30 different just just like different drum loops, like beats that I've collected uh, from other, from guys that I work with and girls that I work with, or just beats that I have in my library. And I'll say, I want you to just find one beat in this, in these 30 beats that kind of makes your head move the way you're feeling. Give me like, pick a couple beats that just makes you vibe. Because we know a, a, a unique drum beat that's created in a drum machine can totally evoke an entire song spirit in itself, as opposed to just a drummer just going, boot, that, boot, just organic drums. That's more metronomic, you know, as opposed sure. to a production-driven uh, uh, beat. The sounds of the sounds, which are, ah, those really kind of like totally tap into a whole other creative part of us. So she comes back a couple of days later and says, I like number three and number nine and number 12. I'm like, cool, let's work on number nine. So we take that and you use it as kind of a kind of a train track, kind of a grid. Now we have this beat that makes your head swing a certain way. It's got this swing to it. And then I'll start to add some layers. It might have a musical sound in it already. It might have like a ha 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 with a So right there, the song is done. You know, it's like you got that yep. core and you got the kick and the snare and the and the way it's swinging the song is pretty much done. At that point, you just got to basically just add some layers. And, and you've taken, yeah. sorry, you've taken that extra step to to make sure it fits with the artist rather than just coming out with that, which I think absolutely. Yeah, so- I'll let her like hear these 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 fundamental beats with the kick, snare, hi hat, uh, and some unique sound. And that's already it's kind of like a, it's the spirit's already there, and she picks it. So I'm like, cool. If she likes it, I like it. Let's go with number nine. We both like number nine. She's like, cool. Let's go with that vibe. Yeah. She's like, I'm, then I'm like, okay, do you write lyrics and melody? She's like, no. Okay, well, now it's time to write some lyrics and melody. So what I do next is I usually have a producer's really, a producer's Rolodex is, is, is paramount. A producer really has to have a Rolodex of musicians, um, lyricists, uh, beat boys, beat girls, um, synth people. So basically what I'll do is I'm like, okay, she's this kind of artist. She's a teen artist. She's edgy. She's blah, blah, blah. Oh, I got this perfect top liner lyric, uh, lyric melody person. So I'll, what I'll do is I'll, I'll do a writing session with the artist, the songwriter, the top liner and myself. And I'll, we'll get in a room and I'll say, okay, miss, uh, artist, what are some things that have happened in your life? What are things that interest you? Someone just have a baby? Someone win some money? Someone fall out of love? Oh, yeah, someone just fell out of love. Me. All right, cool. Let's write about that. And so from there, we're now starting a song uh, concept from something that's happening in her life. And so obviously the lyricist that's in the room will start to throw out some ideas. We'll pick the, the artist's brain. What are some thoughts that come up when you think about this loss of blah, blah, blah? She might come up with some kind of cliche kind of phrase. Boom, now we have a little tidbit of, uh, of, of uh, lyric DNA. So the artist right there will flip that, put a melody on it. So next thing you know, so now we got this, this track that's kind of our bed train track, and then we're starting to pick the artist's brain, 
with uh, concepts that are happening in her life, and the lyricist takes some of those tidbits and starts to put lyrics and melody together. That's the beginning of the process. Am I going on too long? No, no, and I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in because something I loved is I'm the kind of person that when you were talking about when you were a kid and learning about the way electrons bounce off things, all that. That's me. Still, I get caught up in that stuff too much, yep. to the point where it, it, it it's like just becomes fog and I'm trying to boil down to like the, the smallest of ideas and you just plot it out like the perfect step-by-step step of stop thinking about the science stuff. Oh my just, God. What are the drums dude? Like what's the beat? What is this? Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. We definitely have uh we can all get caught up in the paralysis of analysis, you know, uh, <laughs> love totally it. Yeah. and I see just so many people. Oh my God. There's so many people just like, I know there's like, you know, they're like, man, get out of the, you know, get out of like the, the sample rate and all that stuff. Like <laughs> at the end of the day, is a little girl singing your hook? Is a dude rocking his head? Is a, is a stripper on a pole dancing to your music? I mean, if, if, you're, if that's happening, then you're winning. You know? <laughs> yep. You're connecting I mean, with, with people. Yeah. There you go. I swear to God, I'll just quick thing, you know, it's like people talking about like high, high resolution streaming of audio. People sure. don't care. Like, people can hear an, <laughs> a grainy MP3 through earbuds, and if it touches them emotionally, boom, you're winning. You know, Man, so. such good stuff. That's getting to the heart of it, right there. No pun intended, yeah. but the heart of it. Um, <laughs> let me let me ask you this, and I do also want to just say, um, if you type Daryl's name into Google or or uh, YouTube. Daryl has some awesome informative videos that talk about a lot of the subjects uh, that he was just mentioning. So I definitely want to just shout those out and say go uh, and check out more of Daryl because um, this is just such such good stuff. Uh, just to get you know that that little um, just a little bit of your your knowledge there uh, on those awesome su subjects. Let me ask Thank you this. Thank you. So, oh, ab absolutely. Once you um, once you go through that process and you complete that process and you have something recorded. Um, can you talk a little bit about, about, you know, once you have that recording in your hands, what are the options for where you can go? Where should you go? Who should you be talking to and how should you do it? Just that sort of subject area of what you can do once you have that recording, assuming that, you know, this process isn't, you're not, signed to a record deal or, or whatever, where can you go right. once you have that, that in your hands? Got it. So basically you're saying once the production is done, it's mixed, it sounds great. It's, you feel it's competitive to live out in the ecosystem. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Okay. So basically once you feel you have product, so mm. done product, where can you go? So that is a boy, that is a, uh, <laughs> cornucopia of uh of uh <laughs> of answers there so first thing i uh i always say obviously i always tell people first of all and this is common knowledge you got to have a have a website you got to have a central hub period i mean i me personally you know and from people i'm talking about you know there was a there was quite a while you know when people thought oh i just have a facebook page you know or this or just an instagram page like okay that's cool but that's not a site you got to have a you got to have a central station. You got to have a grand central station for your whole world, your whole product. So obviously, if you don't have some kind of some kind of foundation spot where people, where all of your social media and all of your visuals and all of your everything fans out from, 
then I swear it's like there's 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 you got to start with that. So and that that's just you know just conventional wisdom. I ain't saying nothing new there. Yeah. Um, so once you have that core site um, central station, obviously I say we we live obviously we live in such a visual visual driven world that you have to basically have some kind of core visual, some kind even if hey man just shoot your wad and 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 create put one crazy video together one video that really kind of epitomizes your brand visually epitomizes your sound so because when people because it makes sense when video when the when the visual and the audio makes sense that's really just really creates that cohesive thing and there's lots of people that have you know i think that that's one of the uh, soundcloud is a is a uh you know is is has been a really kind of a de facto standard uh, you know, for the music industry. But the one thing that SoundCloud doesn't have is, uh, obviously, there's no visual, it's purely audio. Um, and, you know, there's pros and cons to that. Yeah, it makes people focus on that. You can have, you, know, you can have a static picture there, you know, on your SoundCloud. But, but the, 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 an actual video of some type is, uh, I think is, is paramount because it just connects. You know, we, out of our five senses that we have, well, we have six, but five physical senses we have, sight and sound you know tapping into those two things together is truly what what takes the experience to a new level especially with the younger generation um where you know attention span is so short you know i think that a lot of people i don't know just 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 <laughs> serving one sense is is yeah there's too much competition out there there has to be uh you know enough stimuli to tap into as many senses as possible so that being said where can you go well, I would say this: if you're trying to be a a an artist, there's obviously certain directions you can go. We could talk about if you like, or a lot of people sometimes will be like, "I want to place songs," or "I'm a I'm an artist, but I also if someone wants to license my song, another artist wants to use it, or I want to place songs, then that's more of a publishing deal uh, scenario. So some mm -hmm. people want to do a publishing deal and and produce dope music and place it on other people. Other people, you know, Lady that was kind of Lady Gaga's thing. She was an artist at the same time. She was a songwriter. So she was placing stuff on other people and she was evolving her own craft. And um, let me just uh, interject here because yes, those please. two points, because I'd love to, to talk about those sort of options and get your insight there. But those two points that you just made, I think it's, it's surprising how many people don't just, once you have that product, that don't do everything that they can to give their potential audience access to their music. Because if you have that product and you don't give people a way to buy into you oh with God. a website or however you want to get out there. And then also, like you were saying, and combine that access with the visual so that they can, you know, exactly like you just said. So it touches more of their senses and, it can, and they can connect with it more. I'm surprised at how many people don't do that. And I think that's a huge takeaway from what you just said. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it, just to just to consolidate all of these these points, website, a mm -hmm. visual, tons of social media, all your social media links connected, all hubbed in. Uh, having a digital distributor, whether it be TuneCore or CD Baby, that's going to basically shotgun spray your 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 product to all of the digital outlets. There's probably twenty to thirty of them out there, you know, that are main ones besides iTunes and Google Play and and all the main ones. There's tons of them out there. So those core things, as we know, website, social media, visual, YouTube connections, 
uh, and your digital distribution company, TuneCore, CD Baby, or whatever, Bandcamp, whatever. Having those core things is basically that's your you're, you got your battle armor on, you know. And you now here's the thing. Well, something that I do see is this. Okay, people will have their website. They'll shoot a really dope video. They got the social media in place, and they sign up with with TuneCore or whatever. So they've got all their tentacles out into the world, but they don't work it. They don't work mm-hmm. it. Once they set it up, they're just like, okay, doors are open. Come on in, people. No, you gotta. It's a. It's a. It's a push. It's not a pull. People don't pull. You gotta push, push, push until you 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 hit a tipping point to where you've built momentum where it'll people will pull your stuff in. Um. So so it is essential, and that's one of the biggest problems, faults that I see with with new artists is that they set their infrastructure up, which are all those points we just talked about, but then they don't work it. And we also we all know we all know it's common knowledge with with SEO search engine optimi- search engine optimization and all of the uh, the uh, the browser crawlers Google crawlers and things like that crawlers like activity so basically mm-hmm. if they see uh, your site or your 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 spots are not changing there's not activity then you 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 rank lower you rank lower mm-hmm. so. Daily activity, daily. It's almost like like exercising your body. The more you exercise your body, the more those <laughs> you know your cells in your body are gonna 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 grow and split off and get bigger. But if you don't, they're gonna atrophy, and that's exactly what happens with people. They don't push every single day. Do some activity every single day, whether it be blog or whether it be fire yeah. off Instagram stuff. Uh, do stuff on. The, Content daily update their website, and so those crawlers see that stuff. The more, the more you, they see activity, the higher you start to rank. The less it sees, the lower you rank, and that's one of the biggest problems. I say they don't work their work their work. The follow through and then the ongoing sort of stuff. Yeah. Follow yeah. through and ongoing. I swear to God, as you guys know, it's a it's a full time job. It's a full time job. It's like Absolutely. it's almost too. It literally is. In this day and age, it's too much for an artist to do. You really have to have a partner who will man that whole world, that mm, whole promotion, yeah. social media, blog world. It's a full-time job daily. You know, something I can suggest for people is this: is uh, is uh, uh, don't first of all, don't even try unless, unless you're just a, a crazy social media Nazi crazy person, right? <laughs> if that's not in your DNA, which is not, people enjoy it. But when it, be, when it, be, when it, be, when it becomes a, a, a must do every day, a lot of times you're like, oh, I'm busy today. Mm-hmm. So what I suggest people to do is to find interns. Well, what's an intern? Uh, an intern could be your, we all know. I mean, every, just about every teenager is, there's like when I was a kid, man, it was like, it was all it was skateboards and stereo systems and guitars and, you know, the technology today. Today, the kids are, it's, it's like second nature. These kids, these te- young teens have been, since they were babies, had an iPhone in their hand. So, mm. so if you have a cousin, you have, everyone has, has teenage cousins, you know, especially teenage female cousins. Get them on board and give if you because they're on on online they're on social media every day regardless without a doubt. So if you say hey Susie I love you blah 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 you want to help uh, your cousin Tammy 
all right, cool. I'm going to give you something to do every day. Can you get some of your friends to just every day? I want you to, you know, you, if you give them directives to do it, they'll be like, sure, no problem. And boom, you have a built-in army, army right there. And that's something that a lot of people don't tap into is that. That's such a good thought. I feel so dumb right now just hearing that and never having thought of it. Put your cousins to work, I'm Chris. calling my then. cousins. I'm, I, after this, I'm giving them a call. But call just that. Call your teenage female cousins. They're on already, and they'd be happy to be like, sure. As long as they know specifically what you want them to do, they'll just they'll just be working mules. <laughs> they don't know what the hell <laughs> really what your objective is, but they're doing the, the heavy lifting by blop, 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 punching buttons and firing off your thing. They're like automatons. And like you mentioned, like not only is it a win-win in that they're getting experience and they're yes. they're helping you, but also, like you mentioned, like no one, the, so, social media and that whole world is changing so rapidly that oh no God. one is on the forefront of it. Like the people that you just mentioned, and to bring <laughs> oh that God. insight in too is oh really uh, it's it's a great idea. It's a great it's, idea. You're absolutely right, man. It's like these these the protocols are changing with all these different social media changing so often it's like wow it's amazing it's hard to keep up with man it's like a full-time job and these kids that's their life that's their life it's crazy it's so, true but oh man yeah. awesome awesome thoughts right there cool. Cool. um let me uh, let me just quickly also get your get your insight though um uh, you know when you have that that demo um and i know we just talked about all that and oh my god awesome stuff getting yourself set up but as far as like from the perspective of okay we have an artist or we have a songwriter what if you do want to like in 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 your view what are the different ways that you can go about like hey i'm an artist but i also you know i'm interested in publishing like i i'm maybe or maybe someone else i'd like to write songs for someone else or have someone else use my songs once you have uh that recording in your hand could you give us just like some general thoughts on you know good practices going forward to get your your stuff heard by the right people absolutely in terms of like publishers or in terms of uh yeah. Um, yeah, for licensing yeah. and placement. Sure. Yeah, that sure. that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's uh, publishing just for any listeners that aren't real familiar. Uh, obviously, there's not everybody that uh, writes great songs is trying to be an artist. Right. There's lots of people that are. Uh, and there's absolutely. many artists that basically are like, you know, what? I'm tired of this artist hustle. I just want to like write songs. I love writing songs and I want to place them on other artists or have someone put them in movies and commercials and TV. And that's really licensing is really where uh, a lot of uh, most a ton of money is being generated for the music industry and for, for songwriters. So blah, blah, blah. So getting yourself uh, uh, connected with an entity that can place your music. So basically a music publisher or a licensing agency, those are really the two entities those are the primary entities that that place music on other artists and place music in film, TV, commercials, and all the like. So are publishing companies and licensing agencies. Mm. Let's talk about a publishing company first. So first, uh, a publishing company obviously is going to usually if you do a co-publishing agreement, which is their standard deal, basically they want they want twenty five percent of whatever songs you own. If they, you give them 25%, which is half of your publishing, you give them 25% ownership, what they're going to do is you're the cook, they're the waitress. They're going to serve the songs up, put the songs out in the world, and try and cut deals. 
So, so first of all, though, in order for them to want to to get in bed with you and work with you, basically, you need to impress them. They need to see that, wow, this is an artist that we feel we can really promote their stuff and get stuff placed. They write great stuff. Um, so, uh, what is the criteria for them to, you know, for them to be attracted? First of all, you really need. There's a couple things. One. It's easy. It's like a credit card. If you get a credit card from somebody, it's easy to get credit cards from other people. So, so if you already have a song placed somewhere, mm. you're 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 much more attractive to a publishing company. They're like, okay, this is a proven writer. Okay. Uh, yeah. But if you don't have anything placed, what you need to do is this: you basically need to put together a body of work. One song is not going to do it. You need to have a body of work. Now, that body of work could be one of two things. It could be all uh, similar music. Let's say you're, you know, writing more country, pop country stuff. Then, if you're like, you want to be known as that writer, then all of your, I'd say, seven to ten songs that that is your repertoire should be in that lane. Or you could be known as an all-over person, which is option two, where you have you do you do urban stuff, you do you do pop stuff, you do this and that. So whatever it is, you want to be known for one thing, or be known for all types of things. So. Create your body of work, and that body of work needs to be fully produced. Needs to be fully produced, period. Um, secondly, uh, now, now just because you have a body of work doesn't mean that you can knock on a publisher's door and they're going to be like, "Yeah, come on in." So, a good <laughs> way to to uh, get you make yourself even more attractive to a music publisher is, and this is a great way, is to co-write with writers that do have publishing deals, mm. and there's tons of them out there. Co-write with try and you know uh, uh, co-write with people that do have deals. So you're like, oh, I don't know who those people are. Well, here's a good way to do it. So ASCAP, BMI, and CSAC, which are performance rights organizations, they're basically collection agencies. When you're when a songwriter's song gets played on the radio, ASCAP says, hey, give me two pennies for my artist. They collect pennies from radio stations and TV shows and cable outlets and basically pay songwriters for their songs being played publicly. So that being said, ASCAP, BMI, and CSEC are, uh, they are nonprofit organizations and what they do is they hold functions. They hold like social gatherings monthly in, they're made in New York, LA, Nashville, Chicago, where all of their offices are. So what I tell people to do, especially if you're in one of these hotspots, of uh, uh, Nashville, LA, New York, whatever, go to these different functions and mingle and meet and greet. And you're going to meet people that do have a licensing deal or do have a publishing deal. So through mingling, you're going to start to build some associations. And uh, if you have gift to gab, if you're not a douchebag, or you're not an <laughs> idiot, you know, you know, you, you know, you can ingratiate yourself with some of these people and start to make some connections. You know, people always want to, uh, People always want to find new people to write with. So first things first, before you go and do these mingles and meet and greets and go ask up expos and things like that, you got to make sure you have some 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 music online that they can go. They'll be like, because at the end of the day, people are going to be like, hey, you're a really cool person. I really like you. You're really attractive. You're really nice. Can I hear your music? And if you're like, um, um, I'm still working on stuff. Guess what? opportunity lost mm -hmm. so before you put yourself before you start sending up smoke signals make sure you got some 
some meat in the freezer. Seriously, make sure. And I see that a lot. People make connections, but then people are like, let me hear what you got. Um, um, then they have to make a whole bunch of excuses. Well, this one isn't fully done, and that goes back to what I said back in the We're day. Back at the demos, yep. Don't yeah. play anything for anybody. <laughs> like, don't don't show your cards until you have at least three to five things that are fully produced that you can say, boom, what? Here's my stuff. Go. Absolutely, awesome, awesome advice, right, right there. Like, Thank you. great, cool. great stuff. Let me let me ask ask you this. So. Just to sort of pull us all back back together, we we like to ask some some general takeaway questions, um, and no no pressure no no pressure to give like a def- definitive answer. But in terms of like everything that we've been talking about, we you know and such great stuff we talked about you know starting at the idea and going through this whole process and what you can do afterwards. Um, uh, what is your single biggest suggestion that you would make to someone that is trying to get started on this road where they're, you know, they're, they're starting right at the beginning and maybe they have some song ideas and they, you know, I, I know there's a million different ways that you can go about it and a million different places you can go, but what's something like actionable, a suggestion that someone can start, uh, start working towards like tomorrow. Okay. Well, if you are, whether you're a, you're an artist, an aspiring artist that's trying to build your, your package, your project, or you're a songwriter that's trying to build a repertoire of music, or you're a producer and you're trying to basically build your, your, uh, your reel, a reel is your resume if you're a producer, like, let me hear what you produced. Or if you're a mixer, you know, you want to be known as a mixer, mm. uh, bottom line, what I suggest is this, I suggest you, first of all, say yes to everything. Say yes to everything until you have to say no. Say yes to everything. Secondly, 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 um, write with, work with as many people as you can and do at least, do one song with every new person you meet. I swear to that right there, just by just, by just cross-pollinating your, 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 your seed with all of these other writers, producers, mixers, um, you're, you're, you're going to start to build a name for yourself and your name is going to start to circle back and people are going to be like, Oh, I know her. Oh yeah. I know that dude. And it's funny. It's like your, your marquee value. It's so funny. It's like, you ever been in a club or something somewhere and you know, you, you meet someone and you guys know someone in common. Oh, I know mm. that guy. Guess what? That guy's marquee value just goes up mm. and it's just kind of like human nature. So that being said, put yourself on the, on the grid, spread yourself out as don't stay in a bubble. I'm working with some artists right now. I'm like trying to get them. You've got to get out there. Stop mm. thinking. Get out of your cocoon and get out there and work with people. So Great by stuff. spreading yourself out, work with, do one song. Not Don't jump into any project with someone that you don't have a working relationship with. Date first. Don't don't say, hey, let's do three songs. Do, five. do one song because one mm. song is enough to understand that person's nature. And if you don't like them, you can finish that song and be like, great, thanks a lot, <laughs> all right, talk to you. Or you can be like, hey, let's continue on. One song is enough to date. So uh, awesome. do one song with everyone you can. Awesome stuff. And then I guess on, on the flip side of that, uh, and I guess you sort of touched on a little bit of this, but what is a big mistake that you see people making that our listeners can correct right right now? Uh, living uh, is... Uh, there's a there's a there's a balance between 
sticking with your convictions, right, of what you want, and taking in outside feedback. So mm-hmm. there you have so you have one person that is just a knucklehead and they don't listen to anybody and they just plow through with now if you're prince, okay, then you know your <laughs> your instincts were right. You know, you don't need to listen to anybody. You're just on. But you know, if you don't have uh, you know, those grand instincts, I would say this. So that being said, don't listen to everybody. If you have a vision, stay focused on your vision. And don't get swayed by everyone else's opinions of your vision. Because everyone's, I have this saying, opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one, they all stink, right? So, <laughs> so you might as well stick with your own. So, so stick, with, stick with your vision. I know it's kind of crude, but hey, I'm keeping it real here. It's true. Yeah. It's so true. So, so it's, it, there's a, you have to keep a balance between sticking to what your vision is and what other people chime in regarding your vision. So take in feedback at the same time, stick with your vision, take what resonates truth to you and be objective, operate from your spirit, not your ego. Do not operate from your ego, operate from your spirit and uh, um, stick to your vision, take in outside feedback, leave the rest at the door. And through that, you're going to start to, and then also, you know, get, you, you definitely have to get uh, um, uh, objective feedback. Find people, don't find people that are just going to say, I love your stuff, you know, because uh, they love you like your mom or your sister. Oh, it's great. You know, <laughs> find critical people that know music and are on. There might there might be one. Everyone might know one person that sure. knows they're going to, like, call them on their shit, right? Or is going <laughs> to, like, is not afraid to be honest with them or has some musical instincts um, or some common sense instincts. So, yeah. That's a, that's, that's something right there. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. And, um, definitely. And everyone, we're also going to post a companion feature article on the website along with this. So you can come back uh, and check out in written form, uh, all of this great insight that Daryl is giving us too. Absolutely. And, uh, let me ask, ask you this. So I, I, I know you have a ton of cool stuff going on. I've been reading about it and you mentioned some of it to me, but can you share with us just sort of like, uh, you know, any cool projects or cool stuff you're working on going on, uh, or yes. stuff in the future, uh, that would be cool for us to, to check out. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So, I, everyone that knows me knows I am a huge, huge proponent of virtual reality, augmented reality, and mainly 3d audio, three dimensional audio people are like what the hell is that so is that like binaural stuff or is that yes absolutely binaural absolutely head tracked and then also uh even beyond binaural i'll explain to your listeners what binaural is um uh uh, 3d audio is going to be delivered through speakers shortly right now it's through headphones so basically let's talk about this for just two seconds and then we're going to wrap up for a bit yeah so uh so obviously uh uh, we all know what stereo is. Even the youngest person knows what stereo is. You got, you know, two headphones on. You got two speakers, and you can hear sounds going back to the left and to the right. And you hear this spatial kind of uh, ambience, right? As opposed to, uh, but before stereo, for people that don't know, we listened to everything in mono. Mono meant one speaker. Mm. So basically, sound would sound everything would sound like it's right in the middle of your head, right in front of you. So when stereo was invented in 1930, and then it became the standard around 1950, late 50s, 
So basically, when stereo evolved, people were like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm at a concert and I hear the guitars on stage on the left. And, you know, this thing's over here. Stereo was like really a thing. It was really a thing. It was a groundbreaking thing. I could go into a two hour long tirade about the advent of the British invasion, Motown (laughs) and this whole revolution in the 60s and stereo. And it was like the perfect storm that created this whole which started the the heyday of the music industry from 1960 to 1979, blah, blah, blah. So stereo was yeah. really cool when it came out. But in 1980, you know, and the corporations started buying up all these mom-and-pop labels, every stereo became very standard. So basically now, if you were to take, I teach mixing, and a lot of people teach, so if you take, if anyone learns mixing, they're going to learn you put the kick drum right in the middle, you put the snare drum right in the middle, you put the vocal in the right in the middle, you put the keyboards wide left and right so you basically there's various it's very standard it's very standard mixing is very standard in stereo all right so check this out now so there's this thing called 3d audio so instead of like standing in between two speakers imagine standing inside of this big giant globe you're like the you're like the core of the earth and there's like this this planet around you so now you got this big spherical uh uh, uh, globe around you. Now you have the ability to put the sound back behind your back or under your feet or behind your head and swirl oh, around your head in like a corkscrew or come up between your legs. Bottom line is literally like drawing in this spherical 360 degree three dimensional sphere with sound. So that is coming, people, and records will be mixed in 3D, not stereo. Probably in the next three to five years starting. That's it's already with incredible. VR video games, virtuality video games, but it absolutely is going to be the next standard for mixing audio. And I truly feel that I truly feel that that that, you know, since since uh, file sh- file sharing, you know, evolved in nineteen ninety nine with Napster and uh, uh, MP3s evolved around the same time. Uh, well, you know, it was a perfect storm between file sharing and MP3s. That was the the nail on the coffin for the music industry because the music industry did not embrace either of those, either of those, especially file sharing. Instead of them embracing it and saying, hey, we got this new way to deliver music, they saw it as the enemy. And then basically file sharing went viral. And, you know, and they were like, wait, people are stealing our music. <laughs> yeah. because, you left, because you left your power tools out on, on, the, on, the, on the lawn. So don't cry when people take your power tools, put them away, do something with them. So that being said, there's no way we can monetize stereo audio anymore there's no way that's why most artists are licensing their music they're like, doing movies and tv and they're performing live because there's no there's no money in mm-hmm. selling stereo anymore yeah. all right so when records start being uh, mixed in 3d that's going to create a whole new revenue stream it's going to basically allow us to monetize music again so i yeah. am working really hard in that world and i'm making this virtual reality video game music related video game when you're a concert on a bounce a bouncer on a concert stage and you're like wow. you know basically living the rock star it's really 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 cool it's that sounds really cool yeah there's a bunch of that's stuff wild there. yeah oh it's really cool so i'm really excited really excited for the next three to five years there's just so many places it seems like you could go with that like it's it's it seems like ridiculous. it's just gonna blow up you know it's, it's ridiculous and especially augmented reality where you're wearing just regular sunglasses and so you see the real world, but oh, yeah. you're projected onto the glasses. So you, it looks like Darth Vader is standing in front of you. And it looks <laughs> like Darth Vader is in the room with you. It's all given into reality. There's like, it's, that's going to be about a, it's going to be a, a, like 
multi, multi, multi-billion dollar industry in the next five years. I mean, every indicator is showing that. So if anybody's yeah. interested, get on it now because the barriers to entry are very low now. But in the next couple of years, you're not going to be able to get in. We're, uh, uh, but if you were around in 1993 and doing some social media stuff, guess what? You would have yeah. been in the club. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? By 1995, those walls went up and boom, good luck getting I'm, in. I'm just thankful Daryl is here to keep us on the forefront here on the podcast because, <laughs> I mean, job. seriously, <laughs> such, saving us. such cool <laughs> stuff. And just, uh, you know, in in general, man, th- thank you so much again for being on with us. I can't even tell you how much uh, we we enjoyed having you and we learned so much today. Uh, it was really just just great. Great to talk with with you. My pleasure. My thanks for having me. So make sure to check out Daryl's new book, The Essential Guide to Songwriting, Production, and Recording, and check him out at DarylSwan.com. Thanks a lot again, Daryl, and we will definitely talk soon, my man. All right, we'll talk soon. <laughs>